You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. everyone and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities and solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Like security researchers at a number of other firms and some government agencies, we have been following this threat actor, which has been called many things by many different security firms. That's Kevin Lavelli. He's the director of threat intelligence at Silence. He and his team recently published research on Energetic Dragonfly and DY Malloy Bear 2.0. It's one of those research subjects that we always keep an eye on because it has been evolving for several years now. You know, one of the reasons why we published when we did was because on March 15th, the U.S. government announced uh, a bunch of sanctions against Russian cyber actors, what they called Russian cyber actors, that was uh, directed towards the uh, the folks involved in the NotPetya attack. But in the same breath, they also acknowledged that Russian cyber actors were targeting U.S. government entities and U.S. critical infrastructure sectors. Uh, And that announcement about sanctions was followed by uh, a new DHS-FBI joint analysis report with more indicators of compromise about that uh, campaign that was referred to there. What was new was that for the first time, the government was attributing the activity that was associated with that campaign targeting the energy sector with the Russian government. And so given the fact that there there was news there and we had this rather small piece of research that we thought had greater significance, we thought it was an appropriate time to write a blog posting about it while everyone's attention was focused on this campaign again. 
This is a threat actor that has been active for the last five years at least uh, and has been written about by my uh, counterparts at, uh, at other uh, security firms for years, right? Therefore, we get uh, a bunch of different names, <laughs> Dragonfly 2.0, uh, Energetic Bear, Crouching Yeti, your Group 24, there, there are others, but sort of DHS and the FBI did us a favor, I guess, in helping encapsulate all of those into the phrase Russian government actor. So Very, that, very that, creative of them. Right, but it's something that everybody's been following, right? right. And, um, and it's something that lots of researchers have been interested in because, well, in part because the targets are so sensitive. And that's something that everybody kind of wants to, I think, stay abreast of. We've been doing this kind of research for, for several years now. We thought it, would, it was the right time to publish on this subject because, well, this was something new and interesting. Uh, a bit of color, if you were, mm. um, uh, that uh, kind of fills in a part of the picture that had previously been told by both government agencies and other security firms. These operations uh, initially came to light around 2013 and 2014, um, and then you all at Silence uh, noticed that they went dark for a period of time. What do you think was going on there? We think that we, well, we, we don't really know, of course. We're making uh, an assessment based on uh, just those are the big picture and having followed this group for a while. But we think they were probably retooling during that year. You know, they came across the radar screen, as you said, uh, five years ago, were active for a bit and then went away. And then they popped up again in, in 2015, and there were news reports and some security firm reports that talked about targeting the same industry in European countries, uh, in Ireland and in Turkey. Some of this stuff has only come out recently, hmm. uh, but sort of harkens back to that time period. Uh, and indeed, when we were, when we were following up on, on that research, we noticed that there were organizations in Kazakhstan so not a European or Western nation, but in Kazakhstan that were also compromised uh, and targeted by this uh, same threat actor. And, and then I think if you're following the TikTok here, th the next time this sort of came to public attention was over the summer in June and July of 2017. There was another series of technical alerts released by the United States government and the British government. And the, <laughs> the United States government issued a joint analysis with the FBI uh, and DHS uh, authoring it in, in July that talked about, again, the same group targeting the U.S. critical infrastructure sector, uh, the nuclear sector, the energy sector in particular. And in the U.K., the, the alert, I think, was private but eventually leaked to the press and was reported on principally by Motherboard mm. uh, in July. And, uh, and that talked about, again, uh, the same threat actor, but in the context of targeting UK power sector companies. And so these revelations uh, sort of aligned with what you all were, were, were tracking in your own research. That's right. Every time we see the, the you know a report by another security firm or a, a release of uh, some analysis by a government agency, we recognize that oh, this is a threat actor that that this is the same threat actor that we've been following for a while, and it uh, it sometimes leads us to some new research findings, right? And that was the case here. So in looking at some of the 
new malware samples that were referred to uh, in some of these government reports over the summer, and following that thread, wherever it led, uh, we discovered that as part of the attack vector, there was this new thing, right, that we hadn't seen before in the context of the UK campaign, which was that the uh, threat actor was incorporating the use of a compromised core infrastructure router into its attack. And so when we saw that, we thought two things. Number one, this is new, and we haven't seen this before in the context of this campaign and this threat actor. And secondly, we thought that it was particularly worrisome because uh, routers are a piece of networking infrastructure. They operate differently and are more challenging for the average security researcher to investigate or a forensic investigator to investigate uh, because they, they don't operate like a PC, right? They're not, uh, this is not something that is running uh, an operating system software like a PC is, mm. right? That you can more easily investigate. Uh, so we certainly perked up when we saw this and thought it was important to share our findings widely. There was a factor in this that involved a phishing operation, which was targeting the energy sector in the UK. Um, can you take us through what was going on there? Right. So, you know, as was the case with this threat actor targeting energy sector organizations previously, in this case, a phishing lure in the form of a, a resume, like a curriculum vitae, mm -hmm. was uh, sent to some energy sector organizations in the UK. And the way this particular attack would work is that when that was opened, it would fetch this remote template and attempt to automatically authenticate an SMB server. Okay, so this SMB authentication is something that has been known for a long time as a way of harvesting credentials as part of a malware campaign, including by this actor. But instead of it redirecting to another IP, another ordinary IP, it was redirecting to this router. Okay, and so the router was involved, we think not necessarily to collect data, but as a hop. You'd click on this document, and it, there would be uh, an, an attempt to uh, authenticate via SMB that would redirect to, to this router and then on somewhere else. And in that way, the uh, target's credentials were, uh, we think, being harvested without his or her knowledge. And, and just for clarity, this was one specific router. This is one specific router. So this is a router that was belonging to a Vietnamese oil rig manufacturer. So obviously something of concern for those guys. You know, theoretically, the attack would continue after uh, the credentials hit that router, right? Because once you have the credentials, then they could be used to go back in to those UK companies that you were targeting originally with those phishing documents. And indeed, we saw some of that context sort of affirmed for us in one of the alerts that I mentioned previously that had been issued by the uh, UK government in the form of its National Cyber Security Center, which is a, a branch of its GCHQ, its Signals Intelligence Organization, uh, in a motherboard article that had been published several months prior, uh, again, in the summer. According to that report, they, they said, uh, in quoting this document, 
that the infrastructure in organizations, meaning UK energy organizations, was connecting to a set of malicious IP addresses using SMB. Okay, that's that's something we had here, mm-hmm. and that the and the, the report suggested that the hackers were trying to capture victims' passwords, and that's that's what we saw happening too. So what we're what our finding sort of uh, reveals is how they were collecting those credentials, and they were collecting those credentials via the use of this compromised router. And in terms of the router itself, um, one of the things you pointed out in the research was that this was an end-of-life product. That uh, so, in terms of uh, you know general cyber hygiene, um, you know this uh, maybe should have had a bullseye on it. I guess, but you know, it's it's really difficult to criticize in this case, cr- criticize the manufacturer or this or, or the organization that was using this router because. Routers, by their very nature, and this is part of the significance, I think, of this finding, is that routers are by nature not only difficult to forensically investigate, but they're also difficult to, re- to patch and remediate and to keep up, up to date. I'm sorry to say we don't have too much knowledge of what was going on with this router, how it was compromised, or whether its firmware was updated more recently or when it was updated, right? Uh, we just get like a, a small glimpse of a that this was a Cisco router and b that it was likely compromised as a result of you know some conclusions that we're drawing from analyzing what the malware was doing. I see. So in terms of uh, take homes from this and recommendations for folks to protect themselves, uh, what can you offer there? Well, I think that there are a lot. You know, this this is going to impact a number of different people. Uh, and again, it's one of the reasons why we thought it was important to share our finding in, um, publicly. Uh, well, first of all, it, it's, this provides better situational awareness for folks inside the energy sector, both in the U.S. and the U.K., obviously, to be aware of the fact that this is part of the attack vector that is being used in targeting them, right? This is also helpful, presumably, for government agencies in the U.K. and the U.S. and elsewhere uh, who have threat hunting teams that, whose job it is to follow this campaign. Uh, this is also going to be of interest to uh, not only that company in Vietnam that was employing this router, but anybody that's using this router, and for Cisco, right, to sort of be aware of the fact that this technique has been folded into a, a campaign used by what we now know, according to the U.S. government, is a, another government's operation, right? So, mm-hmm. so not something that's likely to go away. So in terms of mitigating against it, boy, that's, uh, you know, that, that's the perennial question, isn't it, right? The first thing I think you want to do is try to educate yourself about what's going on in an attempt to prevent a compromise to begin with. That's sort of how we think about it at Silence, and I think that's, uh, that's good advice for everybody. Be- beyond that, I think that folks should be following this research, particularly if you're in this sector closely. You know, obviously this this kind of research and this subject in general has implications for policymakers and folks in the wider cybersecurity community as well, right? Because it speaks to the specific actions that are be ta- that are being taken by allegedly by uh, another nation state against our nation state, obviously, and other nations in the West. Yeah, it's interesting that, as is so often the case, uh, it begins with a phishing operation. Right. Uh, and that's sort of one of the dirty secrets here of, of the cyber business, right, is that is that <laughs> these advanced persistent threats, as they've, they've been come to known, aren't always very advanced. They don't have to be. 
right? Um, clicking on phishing lures is is one of the most uh, sort of simple and well-known and well-publicized ways of initiating a compromise out there, and yet it happens. It happens all the time. Uh, yeah. So again, that's why I mentioned that educating folks at all levels of an organization, from the leadership down to the folks that are plugging away at their desks every day, everybody has to be aware of that threat, particularly if you're working in this industry, one of these industries that we know is being actively targeted. For all of the cybersecurity solutions that are out there, you know, uh, if this is indeed a Russian intelligence operation, uh, those guys aren't just going to go away. There's no patch for the... Uh, for the GRU. Those guys are, are just going to find another way to get their uh, campaigns launched and, and going, right? If, if one road is blocked, they're going to find another one. So educating yourself about what they're doing and understanding that, and then obviously maintaining basic hygiene will go a long way, I think, to helping mitigate these, these risks. And the final thing that I think that probably should be said here, Dave, is that while this is very concerning, for all of the reasons that I enumerated earlier, the fact that a router is difficult to forensically investigate, it's dif- uh, compromised routers are difficult to patch and remediate, um, beyond the specifics of this one incident, the, the fact that the U.S. government believes that the Russians are targeting uh, the critical infrastructure sectors of the United States gov- uh, of, the, of the United States and the U.K. should be concerning but not necessarily to the extent that we need to pull the fire alarm and start to panic. Um, because the, I think the, the likelihood that, uh, uh, that this uh, activity could turn into something that would interrupt service at this stage is relatively low. I don't think anybody expects that, having read this, that the lights are about to, to flicker off uh, at any moment. This is one of those situations where because of the target and because of the methods of attack that are being used, everybody should be paying attention, but nobody necessarily should be panicking yet. Our thanks to Kevin Lavelli from Silence for joining us. You can read the complete report on Energetic Dragonfly and D.Y. Malloy Bear 2.0 on the Silence website. It's in their Threat Matrix section. And now, a message from CyberBit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need CyberBit. CyberBit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills, all using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. CyberBit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire.
The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.